0: Welcome to Fast Company Digest, essential stories from tech, design, impact, and work life narrated by NOAA App. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor and host of the New Way We Work podcast, Kathleen Davis. Here are this week's stories. First up, despite all the apocalyptic climate news, most companies and countries still aren't making much progress on cutting emissions. So what would it actually take to phase out fossil fuels? Here's what climate activists and the UN have proposed to end the world's dependence on fossil fuels much faster than you might think.
1: Narrated by NOAA Listen to more of the world's best journalism on the NOAA app or at NewsoverAudio.com
2: For NOAA, this is Jane Wing, reading from Fast Company, where, on the 25th of September, 2023, Adal Peters writes, Fossil fuels are everywhere. How quickly could we phase them out? The world just lived through the hottest summer on record. Off the coast of Florida, the ocean temperature hit triple digits, killing coral reefs. Greece battled record wildfires. The extreme rain in Libya, where at least 11,000 people died in floods after dams collapsed, was made 50 times more likely by climate change. Phoenix spent 31 days above 110 degrees. Sea ice in Antarctica shrank to a record low, prompting what scientists called a five-sigma event that killed as many as 10,000 penguin chicks. Despite the fact that extreme climate impacts are already obvious, most companies and countries are still only making incremental changes to cut emissions, or in some cases, are moving backward like the UK, where the Prime Minister now wants to slow down plans to move to electric vehicles. But what would be possible if we committed to actually moving fast on climate action, beginning with the largest challenge, phasing out fossil fuels? It's an almost unimaginably massive task. Fossil fuels aren't just used in the obvious places, like the billion-plus gas and diesel cars currently on the road, or thousands of power plants running on gas or coal. They're in an endless list of products and materials, from sneakers and laundry detergent, to the production of cement, steel, plastic, fertiliser, and virtually anything else made in a factory. The United Nations is calling for the world to reach net zero by 2050 with at least an 80% cut in emissions and the remaining emissions captured by nature or technology to pull carbon out of the air. The goal includes emissions other than fossil fuels, like methane from cows on farms, but fossil fuels are the biggest part of the problem. We're not on track for that goal. But it still would be technically possible to replace the majority of fossil fuels even more quickly than the middle of the century, if we had the political will. Doing so would take an all-out World War II-style mobilisation, says Cassie Siegel, director of the Climate Law Institute at the Centre for Biological Diversity. Our countries met these types of massive challenges before, and it can be done. It's not a matter of you needing new technology. The technology is available today. It's a matter of speeding the deployment of solutions. Mark Jacobson, a Stanford professor who studied what it would take to transition to 100% clean energy in 145 countries, including by using renewable electricity and electrifying buildings, transportation and industry, argues that from a technical and economic point of view, it would be possible to make most of the changes by the end of the decade. We have 95% of the technologies we need to transition right now, so if we just deployed as fast as we could, we could transition at least 80% by 2030, he says. The changes we need to make include scaling up renewable electricity and battery storage – moving to heat pumps and electric appliances in buildings, switching to electric vehicles, and using electric arc furnaces or green hydrogen at factories. In terms of what can be done, it's right there in front of us, Jacobson says. Even the hardest to decarbonize industries are finding new solutions. This summer, the shipping giant Maersk rolled out a cargo ship that runs on green methanol that can be made from food waste. As recently as 2020, the shipping industry only aimed to cut its emissions in half by 2050. When the International Shipping Organization met in 2023, it agreed to aim for net zero instead. Maersk plans to reach net zero even sooner, by 2045. That's because so many new innovations in the shipping industry have emerged in the last five years, says Ryan Panchadsram, an advisor at Kleiner Perkins and co-author of Speed and Scale, an action plan for solving our climate crisis now. The same thing is happening in other industries. In Sweden, a green steel factory is beginning to use hydrogen to make steel instead of fossil fuels. A group of global steel buyers also recently committed to buy 2 million tons of near-zero emissions steel to help push other steel manufacturers to make the switch. A long list of startups are working on ways to decarbonize cement, another major source of global emissions, in ways that can compete in cost with traditional cement. Startups like Solugen are finding new ways to make chemicals without fossil fuels. Electric and hydrogen-electric airplanes are getting close to commercialization for short flights. One of the most challenging transitions will be long-distance flight, though hydrogen fuel cell planes or sustainable aviation fuel made from captured CO2 could fill that gap. And the pandemic demonstrated that it's possible to replace business trips with video conferencing in the middle of an emergency like, say, a climate crisis that threatens civilization, Jacobson argues that from a technical standpoint, it's theoretically possible to move to 100% clean energy as soon as 2035. The biggest roadblock to the transition, unsurprisingly, is the fossil fuel companies. What's really holding us back is that oil and gas companies are not reinventing themselves as energy companies, Panchataram says. And as long as that happens, there is a very strong financial motive to prolong the transition. Fossil fuel companies had an opportunity, after making record profits in 2022, to invest in clean energy. Instead, they gave the money to shareholders and doubled down on oil and gas. Governments also still heavily subsidise fossil fuels, even while they talk about climate action. The fossil industry is also holding back renewable energy companies from growing as quickly as they could. Renewable companies have the capacity as an industry to triple renewable energy production in the next seven years, says Catherine Abreu, founder and director of the non-profit Destination Zero. The main thing standing in their way is they don't have the enabling policy to do it on the ground, in-country. And a big part of why that is, is because of the way the fossil fuel industry has rigged the regulatory and permitting system. In Canada's Alberta province, where the oil and gas industry has a strong presence, the government has currently paused approvals on new solar projects. Lawmakers in Texas are considering a similar ban as... The fossil fuel industry is getting behind politicians and regulators to make sure that they shut down their competitors, Abreu says. In the US, there are enough renewable energy projects in the pipeline to meet 2030 climate goals. But the incredibly slow pace of permitting means those projects aren't getting built quickly enough. New grid infrastructure also needs to be built, but that's possible, too, as China has already shown by quickly adding high-voltage transmission lines across a sprawling country. In some developing countries with little infrastructure, the challenge is less about transitioning from fossil fuels and more about building new clean energy systems from scratch. The thing that enables that is finance, says Abreu. The political will of governments to make the transition to reality has to be paired with money on the table to allow for every country around the world to move away from fossil fuel dependence within the same time frame. Right now, the lethargic pace of the transition means that we're not on track to cut global emissions in half by 2030, and unless things change dramatically, we'll go past 1.5 degrees Celsius of global warming – a point at which climate impacts get even worse. We're six and a half years away at this point, and every day that's squandered, the challenge of attaining that goal is harder and harder, says Max Holmes, president of the Woodwell Climate Research Centre. But it's still possible to move faster from this point on. And if we do pass the 1.5 degree threshold, we'll need to work even harder to cut emissions to avoid higher temperatures. And ultimately to bring the global temperature down. With every increment of warming, the impacts of climate change get worse. More people are impacted, more ecosystems are impacted, Holmes says. Speed is critical. A fast transition is feasible, says Panchadsram. If we all set our minds to it, could we do it? The answer is absolutely yes, he says. This isn't science fiction anymore. You were listening to Fast Company, where Adele Peters writes, Fossil fuels are everywhere. How quickly could we actually phase them out? This article was published on the 25th of September, 2023, and was read by Jane Wing for NOAA.
0: And next, over the last year, political leaders around the world have been scrambling to create guardrails to ensure that generative AI doesn't run amok. Here is a comprehensive guide to the efforts to control and capitalize on this new generation of artificial intelligence.
1: For NOAA, this is Sam Scholl reading from Fast Company. We're on the 25th of September, 2023. Issy Lapowski writes, everything you need to know about the government's efforts to regulate AI. The public launch of ChatGPT nearly a year ago, sent political leaders around the world scrambling to spur generative AI development within their own countries and to create guardrails to ensure the technology doesn't run amok. In the U.S. alone, members of Congress have proposed a whirlwind of bills, some more serious than others, intended to regulate everything from who gets to develop AI to what kind of liability companies face when things go wrong. The Biden administration, meanwhile, has issued executive orders, wrested voluntary commitments from tech firms, and begun the bureaucratic slog that is the federal rulemaking process. Overseas, the rate of progress has been even more frenzied, with the European Union expected to soon pass the world's first set of comprehensive rules governing AI. If the swell of proposals seems tough to keep track of, that's because it is. The Information Technology Industry Council, or ITI, a leading tech-lobbying firm, tells Fast Company it is currently tracking more than 50 federal bills that have either been introduced or proposed in draft form, in addition to more than 50 initiatives, including executive orders, regulatory efforts, and more, begun by the Biden administration. And that's to say nothing of what's happening in the states Or the endless run of hearings, public pronouncements, closed door forums, and other interventions in Washington. It's really a dizzying array of things on the Hill and in the administration, says John Miller, ITI's chief legal officer, noting that the organization is tracking at least 150 distinct proposals. To help make sense of it all, we've outlined some of the dominant approaches to AI regulation that federal lawmakers in the U.S. are pursuing and the leading proposals pushing those approaches forward. There are a number of proposals competing to set the vision for what AI-focused legislation ought to include. These are not so much fully formed bills as they are broad frameworks that congressional leaders hope will guide the legislative process. But they're worth watching all the same. The most prominent of these frameworks, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's Safe Innovation Framework, calls for rules that ensure security and accountability, protect innovation, prioritize democratic values, and allow for information sharing between AI developers and the federal government. Miller, the ITI chief legal officer, acknowledges there's not a ton of meat on the bones at this point in Schumer's proposal, which was introduced back in June. But given his position as majority leader, Schumer will play a critical role in deciding what legislation does inevitably reach the Senate floor, meaning any priorities Schumer sets are relevant. So far, his top priority appears to be encouraging AI innovation in order to stave off competition from China. Innovation must be our North Star, he said when he introduced the framework. That belief has prompted Schumer to take a more collaborative approach to the legislative process including hosting a recent closed-door meeting with top tech executives, which drew skepticism from those who believe industry involvement may impede substantive regulation. Others have taken a more detailed and heavy-handed approach to designing these frameworks. Earlier in September 2023, Senator Richard Blumenthal, who is chair of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Privacy, Technology, and the Law, as well as Senator Josh Hawley, the committee's ranking member, proposed their own bipartisan framework on artificial intelligence legislation. It includes a slew of specific recommendations, including establishing a licensing regime for sophisticated models like GPT-4 or models used for risky purposes like facial recognition. That framework also calls for transparency measures, export controls, and protections for minors. Several other bills have been proposed or floated in draft form, attempting to create some form of oversight over the industry, including the National AI Commission Act proposed by Representatives Ted Lieu, Ken Buck, and Anna Eshoo, as well as Senator Brian Schatz, which would create a new bipartisan commission to study the country's current approach to AI and issue recommendations. Skeptics say many of these proposals Are merely retreading old turf. After all, the White House has already published its blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights, which was the product of a year of conversations with government, technology, and civil society leaders. The National Institute of Science and Technology also has its own AI risk management framework. We are not in a place to completely start from scratch, says Ben Winters, senior counsel at the Electronic Privacy Information Center. We know as a country, what we need to do. One driving force behind the regulatory interest in AI is the fear of this powerful technology being developed or abused by a foreign adversary. To that end, a number of bills have been proposed that are designed to protect U.S. security interests and competitiveness around AI and other breakthrough technology. Earlier in 2023, Senator Mark Warner, who chairs the Senate Intelligence Committee, and Senator John Thune, introduced the bipartisan Restrict Act, which would empower the Department of Commerce to review and prohibit any technology transactions with foreign powers that might pose an unacceptable national security risk. While the bill's announcement, focused on TikTok, Miller of ITI says it could just as easily apply to AI tools and systems. Warner also joined with Senators Michael Bennett and Todd Young on the Global Technology Leadership Act, a bipartisan bill that would create a new Office of Global Competition Analysis that assesses which technologies matter most to national security and how U.S. capacity stacks up. Meanwhile, the bipartisan Bicameral Create AI Act would establish shared computational resources for researchers and students who might not have access to the computing power needed to train large AI models. The goal is to democratize access to AI development to give developers in the U.S. an edge. Section 230 created the internet as we know it. It's the law that both ensures tech platforms won't be liable for the content that their users post and protects platforms' ability to moderate content as they see fit. But while Section 230 shields platforms from being held accountable for third-party content, the question of whether Section 230 would also protect a company like OpenAI from being sued for something that ChatGPT writes, is a different one altogether. After all, ChatGPT is generating that content all on its own. OpenAI's CEO Sam Altman, for one, has already said that Section 230 is not the right framework for AI, and many experts agree Section 230 would not apply to a tool like ChatGPT. But Senators Blumenthal and Howley want to leave nothing to chance. In their No Section 230 Immunity for AI Act introduced in June, the lawmakers propose amending Section 230 to explicitly strip immunity from AI companies in claims regarding the use of generative AI. Several bills have emerged taking aim at the issue of transparency in AI. Though they take different forms, they would all impose some sort of disclosure requirements about when AI systems are being used in certain ways. For instance, Senator Gary Peters, chair of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, Introduced the TAG Act, which would require more disclosures when people are interacting with automated systems run by government agencies. It would also create a government appeals process for people when they've been on the wrong end of a critical decision made by AI systems. A month earlier, Representative Yvette Clark introduced the Real Political Ads Act, which would expand disclosure requirements for political ads to include information about when ads use AI generated videos or images. Lately, some lawmakers have gone even farther than that. Earlier in September 2023, a bipartisan group of senators introduced legislation that would prohibit the use of AI to create deceptive audio, images, or video of candidates for election ads altogether. Outside of Congress, federal agencies are also hard at work applying existing regulations to new AI technology. The Federal Trade Commission, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Department of Justice, and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Issued a joint statement earlier in 2023 announcing their intention to use their existing authorities to protect individuals' rights, regardless of whether legal violations occur through traditional means or advanced technologies. The FTC has already opened an investigation into OpenAI to find out if it has engaged in unfair or deceptive practices that may have caused harm to consumers. The National Telecommunications and Information Administration, meanwhile, asked for comments earlier in 2023 on what AI rules it could implement on its own without new legislation. At the same time these proposals are swirling around D.C., the White House has already secured a number of voluntary safety commitments from leading tech companies, including Anthropic, Google, Adobe, IBM, OpenAI, and others. The commitments range from agreeing to submit their systems to internal and external security screenings, to vowing to develop tools to identify when content is AI-generated. Such promises are encouraging, but they also rely on companies' self-regulation. To truly hold these companies to those commitments, it will take the force of law. For now, that's still a work in progress. You are listening to Fast Company, where Issy Lepowski writes, everything you need to know about the government's efforts to regulate AI. This article was published on the 25th of September, 2023 and was read by Sam Scholl for Noah.